Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stormkeep. My name is Paul, and I'm joined today by my co-storm host. Hey, this is Night Podcaster Morgonk. Night Podcaster JJ here. We finally got him to say it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today we are going to be talking about an updated Stormcast tier list based on the FAQ. You might be asking why we want to update our initial rankings so close to the battle tome being reviewed. Uh, initially, we did plan on updating them sometime in the new year after more data was collected, and our first impressions were just based on, well, reading the book and kind of picturing how these stats and everything would play out. None of us are internal playtesters or anything, so we're just kind of going off our gut instinct and our experience. However, the FAQ has made a lot of changes to the army. How we ranked everything was based on our understanding of how the rules were going to work, and it seems like the FAQ has changed quite a bit of that. Uh, in addition, some of the units we thought would be very good or very bad have turned out to not be as good or as bad as we initially thought. So this video is going to update all the rankings across the board for the Stormhost, the enhancements, all the War Scrolls, everything in the book. So the key notes from the October 2021 errata were that you cannot move after teleporting translocation. Can't, ma can't move in the movement phase, I should clarify. Uh, Cycle the Storm basically does nothing and is not worth considering in any unit evaluations. Master of Celestial Menagerie can only be taken by behemoths and it only benefits behemoths. Lord Arcanum on Torallon and Lord Aquilor can use mount traits. So, going to use the exact same ranking system that we used initially. Uh, S tier is a high impact ability, a unique aspect that defines a list, and that's, that varies all the way down to F tier, which are things that are very niche, never worth using in a list for pretty much any reason. Starting off with the Storm Host, um, the one that surprised me at how good it was was definitely the Hammers of Sigmar. I knew Dracoths would be good, and I knew Bastion was good. Dracoths are so good, man. Yeah, they're much stronger than I thought they would be. I thought that Fulminators are literal bulldozers on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, and I and I thought that their damage would be really limited by not being able to charge every single turn, and that the counterattack damage just isn't there compared to concussors. Uh, but it turns out through playtesting that yeah, you make those charges, they're devastating. You they can win you the game. It doesn't even matter if your dracoths get wiped out afterwards. They're so potent on the offense that it can just be a crushing victory. So Bastion and Aventus are both good. Uh, we knew Bastion was going to be good. Aventus surprised us at, at how useful he actually is. And that's, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Aventus later. And both of those work really well with Dracoths. Being able to issue commands anywhere is really useful. Giving plus one hit as an aura to everything around the Torallon, really useful with units that want to start on the table like Dracoths. So with that and the battle line Dracoths, I think Hammers of Sigmar are worth bumping up from A tier to S tier. What do you guys think? I agree with that one. Now, we've, we've seen lists made entirely out of Dracoths do well at tournaments. I'm a little surprised at that. I don't think that's going to continue. I think Dracoths are a little fragile for how many points you put into them. They are, they're strong offensively, but defensively they're not exceptional. So I don't think Dracoth spam is the way to go. I think a more balanced approach is, is better. But having them as a battle line slot is an excellent ability. Yeah, they, um, I played a game against Ogres this past weekend, and I went up against a Stone Horde that had Metal Cruncher, and I lost a trap. I lost a Fulminator, but quite honestly, I still won the exchange. Hollowed Knights, uh, Gardas is exactly as strong as we thought he would be. Maybe even stronger now after the changes to Master of, Menastri Master of Celestial Menagerie. That's fun to say. Uh, after yeah. that change, defense is more important than ever. So Gardas slots in really nicely into a lot of lists. Um, there's no real battle line choices that you get out of Hallowed Knights. It makes your Redeemer units a little bit punchier. That's not really relevant. 
All that matters is you get a 5-up board for your whole army in exchange for 160 points. S-tier, easily. Yeah, I mean, that's one of our biggest problems, and he solves it, so it stays the same, really. Celestial Vindicators, uh, like the Hallowed Knights, they don't have any battle line options. However, unlike Hallowed Knights, which have to spend points to get an effect, Celestial Vindicators, just for free, if you charge, one unit can get the Blessed Weapons effect, which is quite strong, because plus one hit effects are very good, especially because they stack with other plus one hit effects. So if you have, for example, a Toralon all-out attack and Aether Wings, you don't get to get plus three on units. But if you were to have uh, a plus one hit and then a, an exploding six hit, then you get both of those effects. So it's it's an incredible force multiplier. So despite the lack of battle line options, Celestial Vindicator still remains in the A tier. It's a very strong option for anyone that plays any kind of melee hammer unit, which is, I think every Stormcast army is going to have at least one melee hammer. Maybe the Shootcast list, you don't care about this one, but yeah, other than that... No, I agree. Uh, I think this is one of the, if not for Tempest Lords, this is one of probably one of the best uh, sub-factions for uh, Stormbreaks. Um Take some Stormbreaks with the uh, Nidraconis to unlock them as battle line. Maybe take just one unit of Liberators to hold a backfield objective and take some Dracots alongside. And, you know, being able to bless weapons one thing is uh, is pretty sweet. Yeah, especially because you don't have to spend points on a Relictor to do exactly that. Now, there are occasions where you might want a different ability from a different Storm host, and, and then you can just take blessed weapons. So it's, you know, it depends on your list. It depends on what you're trying to do. Both Both are strong, but getting it for free every time you charge is really good. Anvils of the Helden Hammer, no battle line choices, and their ability is terrible. There's no reason at all to ever play Anvils of the Helden Hammer. I think our initial review covered that pretty well. Knights Excelsior. The translocation change has made it more difficult to use Paladins offensively, but despite that, Protectors and Grand Hammers are still excellent units. This change mostly affects Retributors' viability, I would say. Grand Hammers are still good at dropping in with Scions, and protectors are still good as a large anvil that can sometimes teleport forwards and do a lot of damage. So Knights Excelsior remains an S tier, excellent faction. Mm-hmm. Whole lists are built around the fact that they're battle line. That's that's such a strong ability. I haven't even talked about the Knights Excelsior ability that much. It does come into play if you're using min size units of Grand Hammers. Otherwise, I wouldn't really count it for much. You're 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 not likely to get it off that every game, just because of the meta we're in. Everybody's using big monsters you're not likely to always be fighting something that you can proc that bonus off of. So interestingly enough, I did look at some tier lists. Um, other than Gargans, which I believe is like the worst place to be able to use that ability, you'll actually proc it off more off, more often than you think on the, your Annihilator Grand Hammer or just normal Shield Annihilator units even. Um, everyone wants to be running six Gruntas, you know, two groups of six, or 30 Sentinels and 10 Wardens and... Uh, and I think you have a pretty decent chance against what's out there in the meta to be able to do this. And against monsters, you just do the plus one to hit, and that's still good because they natively wound on two, so that other part really doesn't matter. Yeah, for sure. It's it's not a bad ability by any means. It's just that uh, usually the stuff Grand Hammers want to hit is gonna is they're gonna outnumber. You typically want Grand Hammers to be the big anvil that comes in and kills the biggest threat in the enemy army. In a lot of cases, that's going to be a big monster. Sometimes it'll be thirty witches, and and you'll feel great that you don't have to spend a command point to get plus one hit. But mm-hmm. I think if you go into Knights Excelsior assuming that you won't get that ability, your list building tightens up and you're you're shoring up your weaknesses. So you're not relying on the situational ability so that if you face Gargans or Archaeon or uh, Gotrick or Marathi, then you won't have to you know feel bad that you relied on this way to get plus one hit. That's fair. I agree. Celestial Warbringers, the ability is weaker than we thought. Um, Stormcast armies typically don't 
use minimum size units that are low volume, high damage. We tend to prefer reinforced hammer units. So a unit of long strikes re-rolling one dice to hit or to wound is marginal benefit. It's it's very small benefit. You do typically hit on wound on two, so a re-roll is good, but it, it's a minor, let's say two damage. It's going to add two damage in the shooting phase and three damage in the, the combat phase. It's not a very strong effect, and it can fail, uh, and it doesn't offer any battle line units as well. So this building with Celestial Warbringers is really tough. So for these reasons, I've demoted um, them from C tier down to D tier. They are better than anvils, I can say that, um, but it, it feels very much like you're you're not playing a storm host. You get a very minor effect from it. Mm -hmm. It's basically trying to give the Celestin Primer re another reroll. It's like that's like the best use I can think of it, really. On the topic of Prime, you could just go Celestial Vindicators, give him a free blessed weapons, guarantee a hit exactly. roll of six, and that gives him another attack. Like. Anytime I try making a list, there's, I can't think of a reason where I'd say, oh, I want to play Social Warbringers right now. It has to, like I have to go out of my way to build a list for Warbringers. I agree. Tempest Lords, the change to translocation, making Paladins worse offensively, makes Drakes even more valuable. Uh, Tempest Lords is the default pick. If you're making a Drake list, you should be picking Tempest Lords most of the time, unless you have a very good reason not to. Tempest Lords doesn't offer any battle line, but since you are picking Drakes, you're probably picking a Knight Draconis, in which case the Drakes become battle line, and re-rolling one dice on a charge is a very strong effect on a flying unit. The fact that this Slight opens correction. up... Go ahead. Slight correction. It does offer Prosecutor battle line. Not that you take You're right. Them, but it does. You're right. I just, I always think, you know... <laughs> yeah, we ignore Prosecutors <laughs> because we just don't think they're that good, but... Interestingly enough, they have been they have been bumped up. You're, you're right. I forgot Prosecutors is battle line because anytime I make a Tempest Lords list, I fill it with with uh, you know cheap Liberators to have bodies or Drakes, and I and I often just skip over Prosecutors. Prosecutors are better than we initially thought, I believe, but um, I don't generally consider that the main reason to play Tempest Lords. It's the it's the fact that Drakes are good and and rerolling one dice on charge is good. Yep. So for those reasons, we're changing it from B tier to A tier. And the Astral Templars, the, the Hunters of the Heartland Battalion is incredibly popular. It allows any troop unit to gain the same effect, and troops are, are our main anvils. We're typically not doing the most amount of damage with our unique heroes or our big monsters, so Astral Templars has very marginal benefit. It, we just have a lot of tools to deal with monsters in general, like our, our Longstrike Raptors don't care about monstrous rampages for the most part. We kill them from 30 inches away, and we don't have to care about what happens when they get within 3 inches. Mm -hmm. So I think we can finally pin down where Astral Templars lies, even in a monster-focused meta. Because Hunters of the Heartland exists, I think we can call Astral Templars a C-tier pick. It's situational. Sometimes you'll want to take it, but it's not something you really build your list around. So hear me out on this. I think Astral Templars becomes way more viable, possibly upgraded to B-tier, if we move away from the monsters meta, because we will lose access to the Hunters of the Heartland battalion in a year. Oh, right. yeah. As soon as that battalion has gone, Templars become more valuable because there's no other way to stop monstrous rampages. Yep, and they're tying more and more things to these things. So if you face a Gargant list, which is pretty much all monster, or you face the double Mawcrusher list, a Mawcrusher can straight up do five mortal wounds before it even starts fighting. Or before you fight it, if you have the priority in, or in the, in the uh, combat order. So being able to stop that is going to be huge because that means that if you're not shooting them, if you have to fight them for some reason, you have to account for the fact that they will be dealing five more wounds to you before you start doing anything. Yeah, I, I think if if the meta shifts because of a new season, and if we get some point drops for units like Paladors, then Astral Templars becomes a lot more viable. Especially the point drop to Paladors, I think that's really holding this back. 
I don't think mm-hmm. Vanguard hunters are ever going to be like, oh, that's the unit I pick for sure. Uh, they're not. They're just more expensive than Liberators with worse defenses, and their offense is kind of negligible. Well, but mm-hmm. Paladors being able to retreat out of combat and teleport—that's excellent. That's an excellent ability. They're just overpriced right now. So if they cut them down a bit, then then we'll see Astral Templars rise up. You see Raptor battle line though in this uh, Stormhost. Oh, I don't think we'll ever see Raptor battle line. I think that's way too good. It would be, but I'm just saying it'd be great. They'd have to raise their <laughs> points to like 300. They'd have to introduce a hero, like some hero that's like 250 points just for attacks. There's no way. Like double tapping with nine and long strikes would be too much, I think. Six right now yeah. is still really, really strong. People are already complaining about it, but nine would be no way. That's not fun. Nobody. Oh, yeah. Oh, oof. yeah. oh, sorry. 18 shots? Yeah, no, no way. Yeah. All right, looking through the command traits. Uh, if, if nothing changed, then it's pretty quick, but we're just going to talk about the ones that have changed. Uh, shock and awe, I believe the changes to translocation have made Grand Hammers and Storm Drakes more valuable. Both of those units can and use Scions very effectively, um, and this helps them survive the repost, which, and it also helps negate enemies with plus one hit on Unleash Hell, which are more common than you would think. Uh, for example, Seraphon can pre-buff their units and that they keep the buff throughout the whole until the next hero phase. And if you have Shock and Awe, it negates that plus one hit and brings it back to a minus one. Uh, Storm Keeps in particular are not a very popular choice. Most armies are picking Scions. So if you're picking Scions and all the other command traits are bad, sometimes you just pick this one by default. So just because it's going to become more popular, uh, I think it's exactly as strong as it was before, which is to say not very. But because it's more popular, I'm changing it from D tier to C tier because our definitions are based on usability, not necessarily purely on power. Uh, Staunch Defender, still F, no reason, no changes. I can't see how or why this ability would get better in the future. Envoy of the Heavens, the changes to Translocation again, it makes us focus more on smaller unit sizes, uh, units like Dracoths and Annihilators and Stormdrakes, rather than using Protectors, Retributors, um, even some Redeemer Hammer unit shenanigans. We, we're not using those as much, so our units are more likely to just die before they ever get a save bonus from Envoy. So... Yeah, I, I think this actually is a little bit worse now. I think it goes from B to C. Did you guys get a chance to play with this ability before uh, the FAQ came out? No, I didn't. Oh, sounds like we were just too excited. Uh, I did not, yeah. Yeah, I, I did get a chance to do put in some friendly games. Um, but yeah, no, not, not super well, no. Yeah, there's, there's just so many other things I was excited about. I wanted to get around to it, but couldn't didn't get a chance, unfortunately. Uh, Master of Celestial Menagerie, really unfortunate what's happened to this one. It can only be taken by a Star Drake, and taking more than one Star Drake is questionable. The only other units that can benefit from it are Karazai and Krondis, but then you're you're paying 500 points on a Star Drake to give Karazai a minus one to wound in melee. That's an 1100 point combo. I don't see that happening. I think because the change to this ability is so drastic, Star Drakes are just not as useful, so you won't see them as often. So it justifies dropping this ability from S down to C tier. Pretty big, pretty big drop. If you pick a Star Drake, you will be picking this, but that's the only time I could see it ever being justified. Before, you could pick a Star Drake, take this ability, and then all the Storm Drakes that you've just made battle line now also benefit from it. Now it just affects the Star Drake because you're not going to spend any more points on, on other behemoths. So this is, yeah. Really dislike this ability now. Looking at the universal traits, uh, Battle Lust, even though Translocation being worse makes Steadfast March better, 
I don't think you want a steadfast march on one of our fighting heroes. I don't, I don't think that's a good use of that Holy Command. So this is, I think, in our initial video, we, I said this should have been D tier, so I'm placing it in the D tier now. Uh, skilled leader generates some command points sometimes. You know, the Imperitant's going to be in a lot more games now because we don't need... Uh, we, we need some way to bring the Scions Grand Hammers into play. Imperitant fits in that perfectly. He's around. He generates a bunch of command points every turn effectively. So, yeah, skilled leader... I don't see anybody taking this ability. High Priest, still really strong, even though Translocation is worse. Really what it means is Paladins got worse. Translocation is still pretty much as strong as it was before. So High Priest being able to reroll that is really strong. Divine Light and Blessed Weapons are both strong. So High Priest, yeah, S tier. Very strong ability. It's still the default pick for a lot of Stormcast armies. And then rounding it out, we have Master of Magic. Stormcast have really bad casting. And being able to re-roll is one of the more significant boosts to the ability to cast spells for us. Uh, especially now that the Torolon can take mount traits, it's not going to be uncommon to see a Torolon with Scintillating Trail and Master of Magic. So enemies have minus one to unbind and you can re-roll your cast. You can also give that Torolon an Arcane Tome and then it's casting two spells a turn, re-rolling one of them and, and reducing enemy unbinds by one. So these little bits here and there added together uh, make this ability more useful. And also because a lot of our other command abilities or command traits are just, just bad, really bad. So you'll end up just trying to find anything you can. And hey, there's Master of Magic for you right there. Yeah, I actually love this trait on uh, Lord Arcanums or even sometimes the Knight Encanter. I built a it's list. Actually... I built a list today that used it on a Lord Imperitum because he had the Arcane Tome. So. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's really high. Yeah, that's effective. Yep. Rerolling re translocation is not as crucial as it was before because you don't need it to be aggressive uh, it's very difficult to be aggressive with it so mm -hmm. yeah the one thing i will say is like our spells generally have like casting values of five so it's not that you know like yeah we have bad casting because we don't have any bonuses or hardly any two casts but you're, most of the time you're going to get your spells off but having that reroll is really good and especially if you start you know for some reason roll double ones yeah it, it's also really good because it gives you more utility uh, re-rolling an unbind, re-rolling a dispel. A naked unbind and a naked dispel aren't worth much, but when you re-roll them, it's not bad. And it also yeah. opens up the option to run some endless spells. The list I made today that I was alluding to also uses a prismatic palisade. Being able to re-roll, cast it out of enemy unbind range seems like a pretty good effect. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's talk about the artifacts uh, real quick here. All the weapons, F... They're bad. Don't use them. Armor. The Drake Scale armor is B tier, assuming that it it works the way that we described in our previous video, which is that any characteristic other than one triggers its effect to reroll. Uh, that would make it a B tier. If it only works on things that are damage two, three, four, and it doesn't work on on variable damage, then I place it down into D tier. It's not that good. Mirror Shield S, very strong effect. Um, you still want it. Alpha Strike lists typically don't care if their Relictor gets shot off the board, so you won't see as many Mirror Shields as you did before, but it is still a very strong effect nonetheless. The Amulet of Silvered Sigmarite, still D tier, no changes there. Um, Quicksilver Draught, once per game you can fight first, but none of the Stormcast heroes are particularly good at fighting, and if you want to take a, an artifact on a hero, you generally want it to be a defensive artifact, especially now that we've lost Menagerie. As, as a viable option. So I'm bumping Quicksilver Draught down one from B to C. The Luxstone, guaranteed 12-inch charge. That's a very strong effect. I still don't know exactly where to place that, but I feel like it will find its place eventually. 
Uh, it's also the only artifact that increases shooting damage at all. So if you're running uh, a skew list with a bunch of Knight Judicators, this ends up being the default pick because nothing else really matters. You just take the Arcane Tome and a Lex Stone. That's it. You don't care about the rest. So it's a little bit more viable than the other options in D tier. So I've, I've bumped it up to C. Obsidian Amulet, still D. Yeah, becoming immune to spells once per game is a is a strong effect if we ever go into a magic meta, but we are an army that has dispel scrolls on 125-point heroes, so that artifact is of questionable value to us. D tier. Universal Artifacts, Amulet of Destiny, still really good, remains an S tier. If you're playing Gardas, you probably don't want it, or don't need it, I should say. Arcane Tome. Yep, that's even better than we thought it was going to be. Almost every Stormcast list ends up having an Arcane Tome just because we get to squeeze out as much value from every hero that we can possibly get. And I've also been liking it as a combo with the Frost Phoenix, taking Flaming Weapons and Stormkeeps. I think that is an excellent unit for 315 points. Yeah, I agree. Looking at the spell lore, Lightning Blast stays the same, exactly as good as it was before. Azure <laughs> Halo... I uh, I missed the mark on this one. I thought it was going to be a lot stronger. I didn't realize just how much more useful Celestial Blades and Thundershock were going to be. Maybe I thought we'd have more wizards in our armies. Instead, we're running one, maybe two. I, I, you very rarely see a Stormcast list that has three or more wizards in it. So as no, the problem is the problem is having a Mystic Shield is much better than whatever this is. Yeah, having having more defense is better than doing damage while you're getting attacked for sure. Yep. And the only time I can see this being relevant, as right Halo, that is, is if you take the one uh, artifact that lets you reroll save rolls based on da the damage not being one, or I guess more than one, and then you can try and fish for them on like a big wound unit, but that's like really super niche. So C yeah. actually makes perfect sense because I would much rather have a plus one to wound or a plus one to save directly rather than try and fish for mortal wounds. Well, well here's where it gets even worse. Uh, you'll see I noted there, the Lord Celestin already has this effect. So the one unit that you think really, really wants this doesn't use it. You know, maybe a big unit of six uh, Storm Drakes could benefit from it if they just try to pour all the enemy damage into it. I don't know. I'd rather have Mystic Shield. You have, it's too hard to fit into a list. Celestial Blades, yep, it's a, our only force multiplier. You take this pretty much anytime you're not using Grand Hammers or Long Strikes. Those are the only units that don't benefit, really. Or any shooting unit. No shooting units benefit from it, I should say. Uh, Chain Lightning, still B tier. Thundershock is better than I thought it was going to be. I think it's because of the increased range on it compared to Starfall. It still only activates on a 3-up, which really sucks. Uh, but without Celestial Menagerie, this becomes more valuable because we need a minus one to wound effect if we want to survive. So it's better, especially if you're taking Master of Magic. You can cast it more reliably. So I think it's uh, getting bumped up from C to B. Starfall still has a lot of problems. Short range, 3-up to activate. You have to cast the spell. I still don't like it. It only lasts that turn. If it lasted until your next hero phase, it would be much better. Yeah, unfortunate. C tier. Universal spells. I want to put Flaming Weapon in B tier like we did before. Levitate in D tier. Uh, and Ghost Mist. I believe F is appropriate for Ghost Mist. I can't see us ever casting that spell. I mean, considering how much shooting we have, it more hurts us than helps us, really. Yep. It's really bad. And let's take a look at the prayers. Divine Light, still excellent. Uh, great force multiplier if you want to kill a single target. There it goes. Translocation, still very strong. It hurts the mobility of Paladin units, but uh, it has no changes on and any of our shooting or any of our uh, Grand Hammers, things like that. It can still reroll charges after using it, so it's, it's a strong effect still. Blessed Weapons, 
as I was mentioning earlier, is stronger than we thought. Uh, I believe it's a very powerful effect because it stacks with hit bonuses. Unfortunately, units in Scions can't benefit from it. Uh, so this really works well on Dracoths, and it works well if you're translocating a unit with Wild Form to give it plus two charge and then trying to get a seven inch type charge. It's a lot of stuff you have to stack together and you need translocation with it. So this would be on a second priest. It's a lot of points to do all of this combo. And you can also just get this effect for free with Celestial Vindicators. So the effect is stronger, but it's still quite limited. And uh, so I think I'm gonna change it from C to B. Uh, universal, universal Prayers, none of them are worth casting. None of them are worth spending an enhancement on, especially. The only reason you'd ever take a Universal Prayer is if you're bringing a Coalition Priest, if you're bringing a Rune Lord, and then he could take Heal. I think that would be the only useful thing that could come out of that. None of them are good enough to, to pick. Yeah, I agree. Looking at the Mount Traits, uh, Etheric Swiftness is a strong effect. A 6-inch pile-in and piling in from 6 inches is very strong, but every single mount that takes it is not worth bringing in a list pretty much i think this will be a lot more useful if and when dracolines eventually come back into play if they get a significant point decrease you're going to see a lot more lord arcanums on dracolines and, and this will be a lot more useful but i don't see it being that particularly useful right now yeah i don't see dracolines ever being the meta uh or at least a lord Arcanum on dracoline being the meta like that they'd have to be very cheap like 240 for three compared to Fulminators, you just get an extra body. I think that would make them viable. Yeah, agree. Light of the Young Stars, still just as good as it was before. If you pick a Star Drake, you're picking Light. Celestial Instincts, uh, still very strong effect. Almost every hero that, that can take it should take it. It's a very strong effect. Um, it's a it's a bit of a... It's it's I don't, I don't like it on Star Drakes, I'll say that much, because Star Drakes have to choose to shoot or charge, and ideally you would want to do both. If you're retreating with the Star Drake, that means you're going to lose your shooting attack because you want to charge in again anyway. Uh, Envoy of Lightning is not great, but if you're building some kind of mass mortal wound bomb, this lets you get more mortal wounds that you can put into the enemy army. I don't think it's worth a mount trait, but you know none of our mount traits are great, so maybe you'll end up taking this and scioning your general into play. Scintillating Trail, uh, especially now that Master of the Celestial Menagerie has been nerfed, Scintillating Trail is is not bad, uh, especially if you take Arcane Tome and Master of Magic. Pretty much any mounted hero can take this. So this is the default pick on the Torilon, and the Torilon is, for a lot of lists, going to be the only mounted hero. So you, you're going to take it, because the other ones aren't very good, and this is like a pseudo plus one cast. So it's going all the way from D to A. Big jump. Not because the ability got stronger, just because the way we form lists has changed a little bit. Thunderous Presence is, uh, that's the one where you can ignore Battleshock commands instead of doing a Monstrous Rampage on a 3-up, but only the Knight Draconis can take it. So that's incredibly restricted, and it's not that useful of an effect. I think there might be some meta where you might want to use this, so I haven't placed it in F tier because it could eventually be useful in some way. But yeah, I can't, I don't think I, if I ever see a list with this, I'll be impressed like, you're playing with a handicap. You've chosen to just say, I don't want Celestial Instincts. Give me that Thunderous Presence. I want to make this game harder. And let's look at the Holy Commands. Uh, so Call for Aid, I believe, is still a D-tier ability. Especially now that Translocation has changed, we are desperate for any kind of mobility. So Steadfast March is really shooting up there. 
I think a lot of lists are going to do some weird shenanigans with a Gur Battle Mage to get plus two run and charge. You slap that on some Fulminators, and then you run and charge with them. You give up their shooting attack, but you get to charge turn one. So I think that's that's a trade a lot of players are going to take. Agree. Thunderbolt Volley. It's double tap, just as good as it was before. It'll continue defining Stormcast lists. Raptors were going to be... Raptors are amazing, and this makes them even better. Unleash Thy okay. Hatred. Uh, with, with the changes to translocation, making Paladins more difficult, this is uh, less useful. It is still a really good force multiplier, but compared to all-out attack, it's only about a 10% increase. So getting both effects is really difficult because of how holy that's what I was. Work. That's what I was going to say. It's just, when I think of one command that I want to take, Thunderbolt Volley and Steadfast March are probably at the top of my head. Unleash the Hatred is like one of those things that requires very careful positioning to be able to get off. But the, and the fact that you basically have to combo it with the Knight's Excelsior trade in order to get the most out of it, it, it just it's in that wonky place. Yeah. That's not to say it isn't good. It's just you'll struggle to see this like absolutely defined lists, whereas Thunderbolt Volley and Steadfast March are just good. Mm-hmm. Especially because Grand Hammers, um, people will often roar them as soon as they see them. So you have to take mm-hmm. Hunters of the Heartland, which is more restrictions on your list building. And sometimes you want to just do a one-drop list that is very aggressive and doesn't care about that. So it's just less and less useful the more you look at it. Yeah, I it's, agree. It's still best used with Protectors, I think, as a counterattack unit because pumping up those Star Soul Maces to two attacks apiece is an insane damage dump. So it's still useful. It's still good. It's just harder to make it work when you can't teleport Protectors up for a 5-inch charge. Yeah. And Final Thunderstrike, uh, rest in peace. The changes to Translocation have made Steadfast March, Thunderbolt Volley, and Unleash Thy Hatred just better in every circumstance, and even sometimes call for aid, especially because you can't cycle and blaze together anymore. Yeah, this is going from C to F. There's no reason to ever pick this. Yeah, I agree. Section 2. Let's look at all the War Scrolls and... Promise it won't take four and a half hours this time. We're not going to do in-depth breakdowns of how the unit works and what it does. We're just going to talk about units that have changed or maybe could have changed, but didn't quite make the cut. So let's take a look at Redeemers. I was quite surprised at just how similar Liberators and Vindictors are after episode five of our podcast that did an analysis on them. I initially rated these units thinking oh, Vindictors are like an upgrade over Liberators for 15 points. But in reality, they're almost exactly the same unit. In squads of five, pretty much indistinguishable. So in that case, you're not, you're not spending 15 points to upgrade. You're just, you're just spending 15 points, which doesn't really make sense. Like, why would you do that? So for that reason, I've bumped Liberators up to S, and I've dropped Vindictors down to A. Now, Vindictors are still a very good unit. I don't want anyone to think that just because they're not in S tier, you shouldn't use them, or they shouldn't be a default pick in your mind. I just think Liberators, because they're 15 points cheaper, they have more or less the same defensive profile, more or less the same offensive profile. Uh, Vindictors are still really good if you have some kind of list where you want to reinforce them. You can throw defensive buffs on them, so they still have a purpose. But just for a default pick for screens and battle line, you want Liberators and not Vindictors. Agree. Yeah. Right. But you could sometimes find point for points for Vindictors, but sometimes it's also better to just go for a Triumph. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, sometimes, you know, I find myself in list building. I'm like, oh, I have 45 points left over. Should I put in an endless spell? Should I upgrade my liberators? Now nah, I think I want to take the triumph. That's <laughs> like the difference between liberators and vindictors is is less than a triumph to me. Let's take a look at the paladins. Uh, so annihilators with shields. I think we were really excited about these guys after Dominion because of how well they performed in that box and at the previous point values. Uh, but at 200 points and with more units to pick, annihilators with shields aren't looking too hot. They're you know they got that two up save which is good. They do some mortal wounds when they land and when they charge, which is fine. But they just don't do the damage that you want from a 200-point unit. You could take Grand Hammers, you could take Protectors, you could take uh, Fulminators for just a few points more. They're more or less in that same range. And yeah, Shield Annihilators just aren't making the cut. So I think I'm, I'm, I feel justified demoting them from A down to B. Even though they have a 2-up save on their War Scroll, I feel weird doing this. But it just... It, yeah, they're not as useful as I thought. When Dominion first came out, I thought, you know, Annihilator with Shields are awesome. But with the introduction of Grand Hammers, I'm not so sure anymore. Maybe there is a space where people are just spamming Annihilators with Shields to get that Mortal Wound bomb off and just try to reroll a bunch of charges and get some two-up save units in their face. But I haven't really seen a list like that, or haven't built a list like that, or seen it work, really. Yeah. Have you seen Hollow Strike with uh, Shield Annihilators? Just curious. No, I, I have not. I haven't. Because I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking if you can get like fit three of them around Gardas, then you have a pretty decent wall there. Thing is, if I wanted a wall, I just take protectors. Like the thing about these guys is, I want annihilators because I can get the mortal wound bomb off. True. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, got a the, point. The nine wounds is a real limiter on these guys, um, and yeah. especially because you compare them to protectors, who are functionally always a two-up save as well. And it's like, oh, well, you get 15 wounds there instead of 9. And that extra six, six wounds is enough to survive a lot of mortal wounds. Or just a couple bad rolls. So, yeah, I think uh, Shield Annihilators maybe are a bit overpriced for what they do. I'm sure anybody playing any other army thinks we're crazy. Thinking, oh, what the hell, you have a you have a 200-point unit with a 2-up save and you, and you don't even use it? What are you guys thinking? It, it's just not that useful. Grand Hammer Annihilators are excellent, though, especially with... Uh, Translocation, they're still getting reliable deep strike charges off with an imperitant, so they're excellent. Use them. Uh, Retrobeaters, though, are a lot harder to use. The changes to cycle mean that your five-man squads of Retrobeaters are probably going to get wiped out before you have a chance to revive them with Indrasta. And the translocation change makes them useful only as a, you know, hoping to get a lucky nine-inch charge or as some kind of counterattack unit. And protectors just do both of those roles better. So I, I'm not seeing much use for Retributors right now. They have a good War Scroll. Maybe with some cheaper points, they might find room. Agreed. Protectors are similarly suffering from the translocation change, but having a 2-up save all the time with good enough damage makes them a more interesting choice than Retributors, especially because they're also a little bit cheaper, and they reinforce really well. So if you're playing Knights Excelsior, you can bring a squad of 10 or 15, and all of them get to attack. So unlike Retributors you can survive long enough for Yandrasta to revive you. So protectors are still still really good, uh, but they're not a, you don't make a whole list around them like you used to before translocation got changed. It, I don't know if that's the case, though, because you people are still doing lists with 30 of them now. Yeah, there, there are some crazy people in the Discord uh, that are just going all in on protectors still, and, and cheers to you, mates. 
and that's they're A tier for a reason. You know, I don't think they're S tier. I think A is the is the appropriate spot for them. I mean, it's just a solid tough unit that can take damage and dish out a bunch of damage. So there's nothing really wrong with it other than the fact that it's very difficult to use them aggressively. Um, but as foot sloggers, like they, like if they wanted if if the designers of the book wanted the Stormcast to be a faction that can take a hit and hit back, like this is the unit that sort of does that. Yeah, they're they're really in terms of strategy, they're like the iconic Stormcast unit. Durable, slow, hard hitting. Yeah, that's what you think of when you think of Stormcast. If if Grand Hammer Annihilators didn't exist, I think Protectors would still be an S tier unit. Yeah, I agree. But Grand Hammers do exist. We live in a post Grand Hammer world and it feels good. Yep. Decimators, no changes. They were they're not bad enough to be F tier. They're still just D tier. They are hurt just the same as retributors, and unlike protectors, they can't reinforce and have no defensive utility. Other melee units. Uh, evocators are they're still a strong unit, but there's no way to make them battle line, which makes it difficult to fit them in lists because they're so expensive. And they still do combo well with castigators. But you have to spend 210 points on Castigators and then 230 points on Evocators. And that's not a very efficient combo. If Evocators could reinforce well and still make like a powerful block of 10 that could still do a bunch of Mortal Wounds and have Grand Staff attacks, they'd be good. I think people would be willing to pay the extra points for them. But just a squad of five, like with Retributors, it's not really worth bringing. So I'm having trouble fitting them in lists, so I'm bumping them down to B tier. What do you guys think? The loss of reach makes them suffer tremendously. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I do understand that was done uh, before uh, at the Battle Tom Reverend and Arona, but it's still a significant loss there. Yeah, I think it was intentional. I think they genuinely wanted to either push Grand Hammers as the new two-inch reach unit, and Evocators had been carrying our book for a while. Like I can see why they would want to nerf it a bit. They still do have some nice points that I like. For example, they are an unbind, and if you have a Toralon with Scintillating Trail, they get to cast some power at effectively plus one. There, so there's like little combos here and there, um, but I think the points are are too high given their current attack profile. Like if you're going to be bringing them in squads of five, if that's the intent, then their points got to come down because they're there's no risk of them reinforcing, you know. Yeah. Praetors, I think, are in a similar position. Uh, they're just lacking a purpose. We th I think we initially rated them at C tier because they could be a situational value, but as we build more lists, we're finding that most heroes don't really need a bodyguard. Um, if they do need a bodyguard, it's because they're a key unit in your army. But you can protect them with a mirror shield or with an amulet of destiny, in which case the Praetors are marginal. Or you have a Gardas aura, in which case the Praetors are a marginal benefit. So the heroes that really do want to use this effect at least from what I've seen, they're all unique heroes. They're Gardas, Krondas, Karazai, uh, all these heroes that don't have wards or really don't have that many wounds. Like Gardas with Praetors is really hard to kill. But that's a lot of points, you know? Can you justify that? Uh, Krondas and Karazai in particular are very fast heroes that just run away from the Praetors, and they have to stay really close by to soak wounds. Uh, and the translocation change makes that really hard to do. So I still have not built a single list using Praetors where I thought, yeah, Praetors are a good use of points here. I'd rather bring more screens or more support or more hammers. Yeah, um, yeah. other than protecting maybe Gardas and Dragons, perhaps perhaps not. And and only in a meta where it becomes really, really easy to kill like Gardas. Like, 
and you know, like for some reason, if Lumen had just become really oppressive for some reason, even after points changes, maybe Praetors, but I can't see that otherwise. Prosecutors with hammers, uh, I'm bumping them up a tier because the grand hammer strategies that will be popular going forward really want to bring a, one unit of prosecutors. Sometimes, sometimes you want to replace a unit of liberators with prosecutors if you have enough battle line slots filled, which in a Knight's Excelsior with Grand Hammers you can. Uh, you want to bring them just as a fast unit that can sometimes stop and unleash hell as well. That's the main reason to bring this unit. So for that specific purpose, I'm bumping them from D to C just because I think Grand Hammer lists will be quite popular. Yeah. Now, Protectors didn't really need them. Protectors are already quite durable. Storm Drakes don't need them. It's specifically because the translocation change has made Grand Hammers more popular and other units less popular. Uh, Aether Wings, we're bumping them up a tier from C to B. Raptors are the default pick for shooting. We didn't think that was necessarily going to be the case. We thought it was going to be an even mix of people preferring more wounds with Judicators versus taking uh, the Raptors. But as it turns out, the expanded battle line choices that we have across the different storm hosts means it's really easy to fit a whole bunch of hammers and still take your raptor squad. You don't need judicators like we used to have in the second edition. Uh, filling a battle line slot is not that useful. So because raptors are really popular, aether wings are, are better. Uh, it's the only way to get plus one hit in every single phase. So it helps with unleash hell. It helps when you're shooting. It helps in the hero phase when you're getting thunderbolt volley. And it is notably the only way to get plus one hit in the hero phase as well. Uh, they're also cheap. They are fast, flying, blockers. Yeah, they're better than C tier, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, everything on this page Ouch. hasn't changed. This is a sad page. Uh, Griffhounds, I don't think they're worth bringing as a unit. They're worth bringing Never. if you take a Knight Judicator. Uh, the Underworld Warbands, everything we discussed is still true. There is a new Warband on this list. This was added with Harrow Deep being released recently. And I gotta say, they have a great war scroll. I I really like their war scroll. They shoot like a knight judicator, and they have the the knight Azuros effect, uh, which is great. Like that's a lot of value. You think that's a 205 point unit and a 120 point unit, um, but in practical sense, they're not a hero, a knight, or a lord. So you're spending a lot of points on a unit that that just fights. So it should be compared to something like a Drakoth, and Drakoths are just better. They're faster, punchier. Uh, these guys are 15 wounds on a 3-up, so they got some good stuff going for them, but I think that 265 for this squad, it's it's too much. Uh, the fact that they're Hammers of Sigmar doesn't really matter. None of the Starmost abilities really affect them. and I mean, you can't put them in Hallowed Knights, I guess, but that's not, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Let's take a look at the shooting. Ballistas are... I still like Ballistas. I think having a Rend 3 shot, especially that you can bring four times in one battle... Is, is pretty good. Uh, the problem is that our other shooting is so much better, and the Ballistas don't use Thunderbolt Volley, which is like a huge thing in our list. Uh, ballistas are still a nice way to fill some gaps in lists. If you want a little more shooting power, you got 150 points, you can slap a Ballista in there. Uh, they are nine wounds. They're tough, not like a lot of other armies' uh, war machines. So there's nothing wrong with Ballistas. Maybe they might be overcosted compared to our other shooting, but yeah, our other shooting is just better unfortunately, because I have all these ballistas painted up. I was hoping to use them. Yeah, Celestial Ballistas sort of fall to the wayside, because when it comes to shooting, we can't really afford to do it all around, and it's the problem that the Vanguard Chamber had pretty much since it's uh, since it came out. Other than the Vanguard Raptors, it's like nothing was doing what we needed to do efficiently enough, fast enough, and that's what Stormcast needs, uh, 
to to be really fast and efficient. So yeah, they they could have given this this unit some kind of ability like uh, when one unit unleashes hell, a ballista can also unleash hell. You know, so some kind of other utility besides just comparing it directly to other shooting units. And it's not going to win in that respect. And I don't think it needs to. I think you can carve out a niche for every shooting unit if you if you put your mind to it. I mean, technically, they did give us that weird uh, Lord Ordinator Ballista uh, battery battalion. I can't remember the exact name. Yeah, if that's not enough reason gives to run us, this unit. Yeah, I mean, it just gives you a free Unleash Hell. If it gave you double, that'd be something. Yeah, if you could use multiple Unleash Hells, that would be something. But you can't, because uh, the FAQ has clarified that even though you can issue it without issuing it, you still can't use it more than once per turn. It's really weird. Just saves you a command point, really, which is not that exciting. Castigators are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. If you're using evocators, they're better. Yeah, nothing wrong with castigators at all. They're, if you buff them up, they are the most efficient shooting unit in, in the book. So not bad by any means, but the fact that there are only six models at most makes them limited. Crossbow adjudicators are easily the strongest damage output unit in the book for shooting, uh, but they are heavily limited by their 18-inch range. So just looking at their war scroll, it wasn't obvious how much damage they did. You see, oh, four shots a model on threes and threes, but no rend, one damage. That's pretty good, right? But then you count in the fact that they have that special weapon too, which has rend two, and that you can double tap them. And yeah, their, their damage is tremendous. So if you can build a list that takes advantage of it, you're going to have a great time. But 18-inch range is a serious liability. I mean, talk about relying on translocation. That's one of the units that really wants to be in Scions are translocated. Oh, yeah. You translocate a squad of 15 of these guys forward, and then you, I don't know, push some drakes or drop in some walls in front of them. You're, you're going to do a lot of damage. And they also benefit from a triumph. So you can go fishing for that. You can play maybe 30, 40 points down, hope to get a triumph, and give them plus one to wound. Do a whole lot of damage. Judicators with bows are not as useful as we initially predicted. Uh, so the comparison we had always been using was 15 Judicators versus 6 Long Strike Raptors, and their damage profile is almost identical. So we thought, oh, Long Strikes are S-tier, Judicators should be S-tier as well. They have less range, but they have more wounds, they count as battle line, there's trade-offs. Uh, but in practical terms, the trade-offs aren't as useful. I think having higher range, slightly higher damage, uh, makes the Long Strikes a bit better. And in particular, Judicators struggle because there's so many good battle line choices now. They're not filling a specific niche that's in high demand, right? Like being able to fill a battle line slot is not as useful as it was in second edition. And the fact that you need to bring 15 of these guys to make the Thunderbolt Volley worthwhile really limits how not every list can just slam 600 points of shooting in, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, also, they occupy a lot of board space. Like, and when that happens, you when you want to get every unit within 24, you end up making three ranks and end up being more like 18 inches away, which puts you in range for a lot of like fast-moving units. So, Yeah, they still need to be screened like they're raptors. They take up more space, which can be pro, can be a con, generally a con in my experience. With shooting units, sure. With, I mean, with melee, I don't care. Like I want protectors to take up space. With adjudicators take up, taking up space means their effective range goes down because all of them need to be within 24. So you end up making three ranks within 24, which ends up being more like 20 inches away. Yeah. And when you have a larger body, you're more likely to get shot back, right? If you have a small mm -hmm. body, you can kill something and then hide behind cover. But when you have a larger unit size, it's easier to hit you. Yeah. 
So for these reasons, we've bumped up the crossbows by one and we've knocked down the bows by one. So they're both A-tier units. They're both still very good and uh, you'll see them a lot. Prosecutors with javelins, the exact same arguments that I made for the prosecutors with hammers apply to the javelins as well. Uh, sometimes you have five points extra in that scenario and you can use the javelins instead. I think the javelins are better, not by much, but yeah, the exact same uh, argument as before. Vanguard Raptors with hurricane crossbows are a tremendous disappointment. Uh, we definitely missed the mark on it, just like they do with their poor damage. Um, their damage is too low, period. There's no reason to bring them for 230 points. They do less damage than crossbow adjudicators, which are 190 points, and battle line. They don't have any kind of unique utility that justify a damage difference. They cost more points. They're bad. They're, they're a D-tier unit. They're worse than... I would, I would rather bring ballistas than bring hurricane raptors. I agree, yeah. Uh, long strikes, on the other hand, are probably MVPs of the book now. With the change to protectors, long strikes are looking real, real good. They were already good before, and now they're we're going to be leaning on them heavily. Yeah, my only concern is like the forever battle between um, adjudicators and uh, long strikes will continue to go on, and it'll basically come down to what the meta is like and whether we consider the sheer damage versus the fragility of either unit. It could also be that, uh, you know, rend and high damage falls out of favor. Like if a lot of coalesce and ethereal armies come out, if Nighthaunt becomes super popular, the rend 2 on the Raptors isn't as useful. I think then people would swap to crossbows and more aggressive playstyles. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. Uh, Vigilors, JJ, what do you think? I was just going to say that fragility is uh, mostly easily overcome in general. Yeah, their 30-inch range keeps them keeps them really safe especially when you back it up with a bunch of screens enemies have to charge deep into your ranks just for a chance at it and then they usually just hit some liberators or something well my problem is just like even counter shooting like i imagine we can shoot most things off the board but there's like for those of you who don't know the gargants all have like a shooting attack they move 12 or 11 or whatever and then their shooting attack is like 18 inches or like 20 24 inches or something on some of the gargants so even with one shot if it's like minus two rend, you're gonna lose like a raptor or two and that sucks so Yep, yeah, every uh, every model slain is 80 points worth of damage, which is huge. But if you can kill them before they hit you, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's that's why a lot of uh, Stormcast lists are having a lot of success with Raptors. They just keep them in the back. They don't play that aggressively with them. They keep them safe and protected. And over three or four rounds, they will just keep taking key pieces off the board every turn. Vigilors, I... I almost bumped these guys down to D tier because I am less impressed with them now after some experience uh, in third edition using Stormcast. I don't see much of a reason to bring Vigilors compared to our other shooting units. They cost more than crossbows. They do less damage than adjudicators of both kinds. They have the same range as crossbows. Um, so what you're getting in exchange is fairly weak melee attacks. Like they're barely stronger in melee than the Judicators are. I think they get plus one to wound and plus one rend, which is not a big deal because you're still on two attacks. So not, not a huge increase in damage. And then they get the plus one hit for anything they shoot. But with only 11 shots, you have to put all of them into something in order to reliably wound it because they're on threes and threes, rend one. Yeah, you need about 11 shots to, to do damage reliably. So spreading around the plus one hit buff is not likely. 
you're only going to be doing plus one hit on one target, which, uh, you know, how useful is that? Yeah, it's probably not. I mean, their points need to come down. I mean, for a unit that doesn't isn't dedicated to doing that much damage and it's essentially a buff piece, I don't know why they're 195. It just seems silly. Yeah. Maybe they're worried about spamming them, but I, I think they should be a lot more worried about us spamming other things. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the cavalry. Uh, Dracoths are up first. Concussors and Desolators are pretty much where we thought they'd be. Uh, but Fulminators and Tempesters have both impressed us a lot more than we thought they would. I'm frankly impressed at how much damage Fulminators do on the charge and how easy it is to charge them. Because their damage is so high, they just obliterate whatever they hit. And that makes them free to charge afterwards. So you can charge a Gargant and kill it with four Fulminators. You don't have to worry about getting stuck in bad combats that much. And yeah, Fulminators are just oh, crazy damage dealers. Good lord. Mounted Annihilators, that's what they're. Yeah, yeah, squad of four takes all the buffs in the world and then just deletes something. Two by two, uh, that's also a valid way to run them, I think. They don't take buffs as well, but they're spread out. They can do a lot of damage on two different flanks, and they're less worried about getting stuck in combats because you have uh, multiple squads. Tempestors, on the other hand, are very strong. Uh, they shoot like Adjudicator, but then they have a whole bunch of melee attacks on a tougher body. I really like Tempesters. I, they're, they're so close to being S-tier. I think the only reason they're not is because they don't form the core of your list. Like, you don't build a whole list around Tempesters like you would with a block of Fulminators or a block of Grand Hammers or Storm Drakes or things like that. So they're not the core of your list, but they are very, very strong. They're an excellent support piece for a lot of different lists. You have the right mix of shooting and melee in a unit that is fast enough to take advantage of it. JJ, you had a game recently using uh, Dracoths. How did that go? Did you use both Tempesters and Fulminators? All 100 points of my list was dumped into Dracoff. So one squad of uh, <laughs> four Fulminators, two squads of uh, Tempesters. Uh, like I mentioned, I was playing Ogres. Um, I intentionally played it such that I wanted my opponent to deploy first, so that way I would get the second turn. And I would just get him tied up in my screens to take him out, but he let me go first. Um, yeah, my Dracoffs did a lot of slaughter on most of them. Nice. How did the Tempesters do in that battle? Uh, they took out two Stonehorns. They took out more than the Fulminators did, actually. Yeah, but, oh god, combining crossbows with Rend, the breath attack, the warblade attacks, the Dracoff attacks, I mean, it's like, good lord, if there was something that gave you a plus one attack on every weapon profile for a unit, not a hero, Tempesters would be like s tier for sure yeah the breath attacks are like chef's kiss on top of everything else with these guys yeah, yeah. a squad of four doing an unleash hell is is pretty scary too it, it, treat it like a like an effect that makes you fight first you just do a bunch of damage to an enemy that's charging your quote melee unit unquote and then you also get melee attacks on top of that tempesters are really great drag queens on the other hand are like we talked about with evocators they have the exact same problems but I think their problems are compounded compared to Evocators because they're even more expensive and they have an expensive mounted hero that they have to take with them in order to be peak efficiency. Uh, so without some way to make them battle line, it's really hard to even fit two units of Dracolines in a list. Their damage is still really good and they are still you know, 15 wounds, albeit with a 4x save. But the point cost just isn't there. It's too hard to make lists with these guys. No, and it's kind of crazy when you compare them to like Gorgrunt is, right? Because I actually looked at the damage 
for Gorgrunters, if you take five of them, so Gorgrunters are roughly 50 points a model because, you know, 150 for three. A unit of five Gorgrunters does, unbuffed without the War Chainer, does about as much damage, like pretty comparable damage to like two Fulminators. Uh, oh, sorry, well, how, with how the War Chainer. five I'm exactly? You're saying bring six? Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying because to compare points cost, right? Because six okay. Gorgrunters are like two, two, like six Gorgrunters would be 300. So we can reasonably estimate that five Gorgrunters are worth 250, right? So at five models, a buffed Gorgrunter unit with the War Chainer will do about as much damage as two Fulminators. So when you look at their damage on evocators for 285, it just it falls flat. And they basically don't hold a candle to a unit of six Gorgrunders who are basically just 15 points more than them, or 20 points more, or whatever. Yeah, and they just need to come down in cost. They just need to be like about this. I would say the same as Fulminators, two uh, two forty to you know justify them as being like this uh, wizard utility thing that can do some damage but doesn't hit as hard with just raw power. Yeah, unlike some other units in a, in the battle tone like Vanquishers, the Evocators have a good war scroll. They're held back by their pitched battle profile. So the fact that they, they cost so many points and that there's no way to make the battle line really holds them back. I think if they put out a new book, and they the, the good thing about pitch battle profiles is that none of the battle line options are part of our allegiance. They're all part of the pitch battle profiles. So if they wanted to in winter or in the next year's General's Handbook, they could print a new profile for the Evocators on Draculines that says they are battle line in Celestial Warbringers. I think that, oh, yeah. alone, that alone would fix a lot of their problems. Even then, no, they're overcosted. I think the cost point cost definitely needs to come down at least by 20, if not 40. And if, if it was, they reduced it by 20 and made it battle line, sure. But otherwise, I would say like they need to be 240, 250. 280 is just way too high. You're putting them up to next to, you know, Storm Drakes in our army. You're putting them up to Gorgrunters. Uh, they just don't match up. I'm sorry. What about a special rule of cohesion for them like the prosecutors do? Well, two inch range would fix them too. But at the end of the day, that's the problem. They're just way too overcosted. Because if you take, the, again, like I'll use the Gorgonda example, right? Their battle line with a War Chanter buff, you're talking about 415 points of damage that just completely outclass a unit of uh, six evocators with two inch reach. It's just not even close. So I like the th I like the cohesion idea more than two inch reach because it's still awkward to hit from the back rank. You have to like run sideways into the enemy in order to fight that. Yeah, rank. you have to run like some really ugly looking formations. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's a big problem with the Draculines is you want to reinforce them because they're a hammer. You want to reinforce, you want to stack buffs. But then they have this really weird formation because they have one-inch coherency uh, with two models once they get reinforced, which is strange. So, uh, JJ, I really like your suggestion about making them three-inch cohesion like they are with uh, Prosecutors. I think that would fix a lot of their problems. Even then, points got to come down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, quick uh, bit going back on to the Dracos, Paul. Um, how do you think they're costing us these days? Fulminators are probably too cheap. For the damage that they do, they could probably go up 10 or 15 points per squad. The rest of them seem about right. Desolators could come down, I think, a bit. Uh, but Fulminators... I think they could be 5 points less. I think because they're the same as Concussors. Like, it doesn't make sense because Concussors are just better. Well, Desolators are, are Fulminators that don't get the charge bonus. Which, which is bad. That's a bad thing. <laughs> Without the charge what bonus, charge Fulminators bonus? are not great. Yeah, Desolators are, are just bad Fulminators, um, which is a shame, because I like the Axe model the best. That's the coolest one. <laughs> yeah, I think Fulminators should probably go up 10 or 15 points. I don't think that would make or break too many lists, but we'll see. I, I think that's an external balance change. I think in terms of internal balance, Fulminators are 
are fine. I think Desolators could probably come down from an internal perspective. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on, the Vanguard Paladors, still D tier, no changes there. Uh, even with the change to translocation, the, the Vanguard Palador teleport is still not that useful. Uh, if they had a point drop, I could see some, some use in them for sure. Uh, Storm Drake Guard, excellent, even better than they were before because we have less mobility than we used to. You can still translocate the Storm Drakes and then move with them in the hero phase and then charge with them in the hero phase to avoid Unleash Hell. They are almost as good as they were before. They are one of the units least impacted by the FAQ, aside from Celestial Menagerie, which is... It's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, whatever. We'll get over it. Stormstrike Chariots have the same problems that Evocators do. There's nothing wrong with their War Scroll. They have a lot of good stats, uh, decent melee damage, good survivability, 12 wounds and a 3-up save. But because they can't be battle line, it's hard to fit them in lists. You just want other things a lot more. And you can't reinforce the chariots, so they're not even a unit that you can buff. So you have to think, when do you want 165 points of this amount of damage? Because that damage doesn't change. You're not going to put Celestial Blades on it. You're not going to put Blessed Weapons on it. So, yeah, it's weird. They could fix this by either making them reinforceable or make, I don't know, Battle Lion and Celestial Vindicators maybe. But they're, they're just a weird unit. It's hard to fit them in lists. So there's nothing wrong with the War Scroll. It's just hard to fit them. Yeah. Good points, too. Like, I don't mind paying 165 for the Chariot. It's just, you know, that's the range where I start thinking, oh, I'd rather start thinking about a Hammer unit instead of this this Pinner. I've had games, or not sorry, list-building sessions where I have 165 points free. And I don't know, it, it just it makes sense as a screening unit because it's a really big base. And I've had games where it just survived against so much damage because you just put a lot of defense or like a mystic shield on it. It's and other than mortal wounds, they're not getting through that thing. But yeah, it's like when you're trying to live max out a list for efficiency, uh this thing doesn't always find a spot. Like you need to like consciously have to try to put this thing into lists. And there's nothing wrong with it, right? Like the point is. Yeah, fine. yeah, it's just more scrolls. Yeah, it just doesn't occur to you. It doesn't occur to you. Yeah. If it could be reinforced, it'd be a lot more interesting, I think. I would pay 330 points for two of these. That would be sick. Mm-hmm. Or if they made them, I don't know, Astral Templar Battle Line. Yeah, anything. Any way to replace Liberators. Pay 50 points and get this instead of Liberators? Yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah, over Sequiturs? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. 20 points over Sequiturs every day. Oh, okay. Here's a question. Would you rather have one unit of Liberators... Or sorry, let me let me phrase it this way. Would you rather have two units of Vindictors or one unit of Liberators and one unit of Sequiturs? That's an interesting question. Um, can't I just have two units of Liberators? You could, and you could save, you know, you could save some points. Uh, but let's say you have. I just, yeah, I just don't see Sequiturs like like we said before in our earlier video. I don't see Sequiturs ever being worth it unless they're one thirty the same as Vindictors. It's just. Like, what, what scenario, like, okay, they have a 5 out board in combat, sure, but at the end of the day, they're guarding an objective. Well, they, you know, they are three something. Grand Hammers, so they do significantly more damage than Liberators would. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're just bringing them for screening purposes, like min-size units, would you ever replace uh, two squads of Indictors with one Liberator and one Sequitur? Or would you rather just keep the points and try to get a Triumph? I think I'd try it. I don't know. I can't say for certain because I haven't taken Sequitur since Start Edition started. But I'd try it. I'd want to try it out because it, it makes sense. Like Liberators could be a backline holder. Sequiturs could be more like a frontline screen if you're, you know, 
in the sort of battle plan that where you want to split them up and don't want to just guard your entire castle formation. It could also be like you could force the enemy towards your liberators because they don't want to attack your sequiturs, thinking they're tougher with the five ward save. So you could sort of like play those mind games with your opponent where you can shift their forces to like one side of your castle because they don't want to engage with the sequiturs screen. They'd much rather try and kill liberators. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I I hear you. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thought experiment. We should ponder it more. It gives it gives sequiturs some use in some lists sometimes. Well, it's like yeah, because I think of it as like was the Celestian Prime that good in second edition? No, but there were some armies that I fought where he really messed with the opponent's mind in, as to where they could go. They kept thinking about where he could plop down and do terrible amounts of damage to them. So they always played in this like cagey, extremely careful, sort of slow way. And especially Fire Slayer players. They were just like, because they just have to keep forward and they have such short auras that they need to keep it all in check. So I think, you know, not every benefit is just immediately seen on the War Scroll. Like sometimes you can play these mind games with your opponent and make them go one direction or another, which works out in your favor because you're dictating the terms of the engagement. Yeah. To clarify, though, this has to be a situation where you have 30 throwaway points, right? You're not doing anything else with those points. I don't think sequiturs are worth upgrading over liberators. This is purely a situation where there is no opportunity cost except a triumph. Yeah, I agree. We'll have to think about that some more. All right, let's jump into the heroes. This is half the book. Uh, thankfully, there hasn't been that many changes. Uh, Knight Azuros, I'm bumping him up one tier. Uh, because the utility of plus one hit that doesn't require issuing or receiving all-out attack is not useless. There are ways to take advantage of this. Um, the main reason you want this effect is so that you can use Unleash Thy Hatred and still have plus one hit. And you can't use a Torolon for some reason, let's say, because you're using Grand Hammers, right? So in this specific scenario, the Knight Azuros has a use, so that by our definitions doesn't make him F-tier anymore. I still think he's overpriced. I still think the effect has a lot of poor restrictions, uh, so D-tier seems appropriate. Are you taking him out of display, though? He's in the retirement cabinet right now. I would have to pull him out, and I don't know if I will. Uh, the Azuros? Yeah. Yeah, I like that niche thing someone pointed out. I think his name is Excalibur Nick on our Discord. That you know, with an arcane tome, he's a wizard that moves really fast, and it's probably the only wizard at the one of the cheapest points cost that can keep up with uh, Dracots for Celestial Blades or Mystic Shield, and give them plus one to hit. You know, with his lantern, which is not that good. And D tier is right because it's an extremely niche. It's literally the only application I can think for for him. But yes, if you're not doing that very specific thing, keep him in your retirement cabinet. Yeah. So that's that's worth that's worth getting out of F tier. So congratulations, Azuros, you've you did it. You crawled away from the Knight Heraldor in that pit. Uh, Knight Draconis, still S. Yep, just as good as he was before. Uh, Knight Heraldor, still F. Knight Encantor, still S. You still wanted to spell scroll, you still want a wizard. Uh, Knight Judicator is a little bit better than I than we gave him credit for initially. I still don't. I don't think it's because of his damage output necessarily that we're bumping him up. His damage is about as good as a ballista for the points, uh, but he does come with a free Griffhound unit, which is quite useful for battle tactics and for zone control. Even like nobody's going to deploy units in reserve next to the Griffhounds, but the fact that they can't deploy within nine inches of the Griffhounds is fine. Like having cheap disposable units is something Stormcast doesn't do well. So getting them for free with this hero who has 
good but inefficient shooting is fine. Like, I wouldn't bring a Knight Judicator in every list. I wouldn't even think of him as a main reason to spend 200 points. But if you're using one, you're not in a bad spot. He's not making your army worse. Yeah. Uh, Questor, no reason for this model to exist. Please get rid of it. Take it out of the Battle Tome. Let him retire, please. Knight Relictor, why is he 140 points? He should be 115 tops. Yeah, like... <laughs> Such a bad horse scroll. Knight Venator. Why is he hundred why is he more than 120 points? <laughs> He's just awful. Um, Knight Vexilor. So translocation did change, and you might think, oh, that makes the teleport banner better. No, not really. Um, translocating every turn is still better than a one-time teleport at the end of the movement phase. There are some very niche use cases of this, like for example, if you want to teleport forward your Lord Relictor so that next turn he can translate, translocate stuff again. If you want to translocate something forward and then teleport it back with the Vexilor, you can silence him into play and then use his teleport to go back. There's really niche cases, so he's he's staying out of F tier for now. Um, similarly, the Knight Vexilor with the other banner, the Thunder Chad Knight Vexilor, that model's fantastic. Uh, his banner is not great, and 160 points is too much. But I can't help but think there will be some list that really wants 3D3 healing. Even, and, and they'd even be willing to pay 160 points for it. I can't think of that list right now, but that is a, it is a unique effect, and it has my interest. Mm -hmm. uh, Zephyros, terrible. Aqualore, terrible. Terrible. Uh, yep, he's still missing the Vanguard keyword. I think we can officially say that that's intentional at this point they didn't put it in the faq so we just have to assume that's how it's supposed to be uh, other teleporting heroes exist you know we have the lord arcane among griff charger we don't need a lord aquilar and the one unit you really want to use the vanguard stuff on the vanguard raptors they don't have the vanguard keyword so this guy is only affecting your palidors and your vanguard hunters neither of which are really worth using right now i don't think even if you run those units you would bring an aquilar just a, it seems like a useless model. I can't place him in any list. Even if they dropped him down to 160, I don't think he would find use. No, I agree. I just, yeah, I can't ever see use for him. The Lord Arcanums. Uh, the change to Cycle the Storm doesn't really influence our opinion that much on this because when we initially did our review, we were thinking Cycle the Storm worked the way it did in 2nd edition. Uh, that said, Lord Arcanums are all overpriced, and they have bad casting. And in particular, Lord Arcanum on foot uh, is 165 points, I think? Maybe 165. Uh, 165, yep, yeah. I think, I believe he is. One, one, he might be 155, but whatever, 155, 165, doesn't really matter. Casting, casting one spell with plus zero uh, predatory spells, moving them around isn't as useful as we thought. Uh, none of them are particularly strong, and they all cost a lot of points, which further increases his tax. Yeah, he's not great. D tier. Lord Arcanum on Dracoline. Uh, he, he's one of those support heroes that just lives and dies with the unit that he supports. So if Dracolines are good, the Arcanum on Dracoline's good. Uh, but since Dracolines aren't good very aren't very good right now, he's not very good right now. He's also an overpriced wizard with poor casting. The Lord Arcanum on Griff Charger. Uh, you know there was a, there was a brief period of time there where Cycle the Storm was working in a cool way and teleporting around with that effect and then having a healing spell that was really good uh, but that's all gone now so he's back he stays in d tier lord arcanum on tarlon 
despite losing one of abil one of the abilities on his war scroll, still just an excellent hero. Uh, 285 seems a bit much. Hopefully they drop him a little bit, but he gives a lot of lists something that they're lacking, and he is a fast flying three up save monster with 12 wounds. And he's a wizard, so sometimes he even casts a spell for you. And sometimes he's the only mounted hero on your list, so he gets even more value with the mount trade. So, yeah, Toralon is good. No changes on this list. Uh, pretty much everything we said in the last video still applies. Uh, the only thing I would say is that the Lord Imperitant is looking even better than he was before. Because the translocation charges aren't as reliable, the Lord Imperitant is looking quite good. Lord Ordinator. Going down two tiers, you're not really bringing War Machines to lists. Uh, ballistas aren't common, and the Lord Ordinator is only as good as the number of War Machines you bring. Yep, uh, and Ballistas dropping down means he drops down, so... Yep, like the Lord Arcanum on Dracoline, he's only... He's going to be pretty much the same ranking Ballistas are. Now, it's, mm -hmm. it's even worse, I would say, because the Ordinator is really only worth using if you have four Ballistas. If you don't have four, you probably shouldn't use the Ordinator at all. Yeah. Not a yeah, which is a literally high number of ballistas. Yeah, it's like 800 points in your army is, is on this core. It's not, not yeah, a good no. thing to do. Relictor, uh, despite the translocation changes, Relictor is still insane. Plus one to prayers is such a strong effect when you have three yeah. really good prayers. Yep. Yeah, people forget the Lightning Storm and Healing Storm. Those come in handy. Like There's times where you don't always want to translocate. Being able to heal a unit or a model... Or, you know, being able to lightning storm something and give it a negative one to hit when it's close by. That's pretty good. Yeah, sometimes the lightning storm is what you need to free a unit from a combat. So then it can move freely in the movement phase. It, they're they're yeah. good abilities. And every one of the Stormcast prayers in the scripture is really strong too. So regardless of how you use the Relictor, if there was a tier higher than S, he'd be in it. Because uh, there's almost no list without him. I wonder if we'll ever see like two prayer priests, like we see two cast wizards. Man, that would be sick. You know? Fire Slayer yeah. used to do you, Yeah, I wonder if, because it's surprising we haven't seen one yet. Also, like maybe like an artifact, like Rosary of Faith, makes something a priest, and then it gets like like an arcane tome, but it gets to cast another spell, or sorry, chant another prayer. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Maybe next year, in the new General's Handbook, mm -hmm. we might have something like that. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, Lord Celestine on Star Drake has been hit pretty hard with these changes uh, in particular the master of the celestial menagerie is something that only he can take and you might think oh that makes him a lot better but that actually makes him a lot worse because when you invest that many points in a star drake you want to make sure that the value is spread out as well throughout your army you're not just dumping more and more resources into him so being able to take the lord celestial on star drake who makes your storm drake's battle line and then also makes all of them minus one to wound that was awesome but he doesn't do that anymore he just takes that effect for himself so it's not that the Lord Celestin has got any worse, it's that everything around the Lord Celestin has gotten worse. So he's harder to fit into lists, and you have to dedicate a lot more resources into him, which makes him more expensive in terms of opportunity cost. And frankly, I don't think he's worth all that opportunity cost. For a 500-point model, he doesn't do that much damage. He can take wounds really well, but he just doesn't do that much damage. Yeah. And looking at the unique heroes, uh, Aventus Firestrike, I think we underrated him at first and for me i can't speak for you guys but I, I definitely thought that giving up traits artifacts mount traits um all that stuff was going to be a big deal and i, I really like the toralon i like its plus one hit effect and sometimes you want to pay 40 points to get an extra spell 
giving up those traits doesn't really matter because our traits are bad. <laughs> They're really bad. We have terrible allegiance abilities. Yeah. If he could take a mount trait, I would like him more. You know, unique heroes used to be able to take mount traits in second edition. Can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, well, at least he has a three up, six up. Six up ward saves, it's um, not that good, but he hits something. Yeah, but every unit has a six up ward and hammers. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying it helps for a unique character to have it. Yeah. The only reason I haven't rated him as, as A tier um, is because sometimes you still want to take the Torlon. It's cheaper. It gets a mount trait. It, it gives up a spell cast, and it has a little bit weaker attacks, but that's not the main reason you bring the Torlon anyway. Sometimes you just need the one spell, and taking mount traits and all that is, is useful. So Aventus is not... Uh, you're playing hammers, and you slam him into a list. He's just a fine hero. Sometimes you bring him. Yeah, the built-in heroic recoveries, uh, it's all right. Yeah, all right. That's pretty much the, the word for him. He's just all right. Yep. Uh, no changes here. Guard is still good. Gavriel still bad. Bastion still good. Neeb still bad. Vandis still okay. Uh, but then we're looking at the last three heroes on the list here. Andrasta, the, the change to cycle the storm uh, makes it so that units are going to get wiped out instead of being revived, potentially with one remaining. And Andrasta was really set in that way, where she could just start reviving a bunch of models every turn after you save them with Cycle of the Storm. And that was great. Uh, but she's 320 points. Um, that's a lot of points for a, a revive effect that's not guaranteed to go off. You have to specifically combo her, I think, with Protectors now. So she's less versatile than before. Her damage isn't great. Her durability is good. But are people really going to target her? I don't know. I'm not feeling Indrasta anymore after uh, after the changes. Uh, I still think she has a place in Stormkeep lists, but you have to be very careful with her, and it's like having to play KG with a 320-point model that's wants to be a beatstick but also a support character is like you feel like using them as, or not utilizing them efficiently, so I, I could still see her in B-tier. I don't necessarily agree she's C, but yeah, she's not an easy model to justify or use. I'll, I'll I, say that. I think she's C in the same way that Vandis Hammerhand is C and Astraea Soulbright is C is that there's particular lists that they fit in. Uh, they, they're, they're very, very niche lists. They have to specifically have their particular abilities in mind. And yeah, for their point cost especially, Andrasta is, is really high up there. If she was 240, 250, I'd, I'd make her a lot better. Okay, yeah, I agree. And finally, the last two here, the big dragons, um, they've dropped down quite a bit. And these are models we haven't had to playtest yet, which is unfortunate. But you can kind of, you've seen enough big monsters to know how this is going to go, right? Yeah, it's uh, no ward, no command trade, no artifact. Menagerie changed. So I feel like that, the cost 600, because they had Menagerie's cost sort of built into it, like they just. Whoever designed this assumed that that's the thing you would be taking with them. But now that that comes with a 500-point tax instead of a 255-point tax, that makes it a lot worse because you're just giving up so much board control with uh, a Stardrake and Krondus or Karazai in the same list. Yeah, I, I would love Krondus if he had every spell in the Stormcast arsenal and he could just pick and choose. Oh, yeah. Them, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. I think it's because you can use them in cities, right? Yeah, fair. Coalition. They have yeah. to think about that. They, I mean, they could put a rule that says if he's in a Stormcast Eternals army, he can learn all the spells, but mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that actually, yeah, you're right. That could have been on his war scroll, right? Yeah. Yep, 600 points is just a lot to pay for these guys, especially when you have to pay 500 point tax to get minus one to wound. Mm -hmm. I still think Karazai has some potential. I made a pretty sick looking list that was all about Karazai. It used Gardas to give him a five up ward and Saintly Assault for plus one to all three of his melee attacks. It gave him a Castellant, a Mystic Shield, uh, Celestial Blades, like all these effects you stack on him. And the problem I have with that list, as fun as it does look for Stormcast to finally play like Monster Hammer like every other army could, the problem is that other armies do it better and cheaper, and usually with two of that model rather than one. Right? Like Karazai is not in a gash. He's not an Archaeon. He's not going to kill the entire enemy army by himself. He can only be in one place at a time, and he's going to kill whatever he fights, but he can't kill the whole army in five rounds. And here's a summary slide. So as you can see, um, I would rate anything C tier or higher as a playable unit. Right? So about 44% uh, of our book is D or F. And I would say that's not a bad place to be for a book. So even after the post, or even in the post FAQ world, Stormcast are still, they're looking okay. I, I, I don't think there's any reason to think Stormcast are, you know, dead on arrival. Uh, they nerfed models before they came out, which really sucks, but I still think those models are going to be excellent. I don't think there's any reason to despair about the state of Stormcast right now. If they increase the point cost in the winter FAQ, that would be pretty bad for us. I'll say that. So it's been about a week uh, since the FAQ. Uh, how are you guys feeling overall about the state of the army right now? Have you gotten a lot of games in in that time? Go ahead, JJ. Uh, I've gotten the one. Uh, I feel a bit more like a competent player, but I feel like we have a lot of strengths that we can play with and that we can run with, quite honestly. So I think our army is still a pretty solid option. Yeah. I think the army is good. It's solid. I think it matches up well into a lot of the 2.0, 3.0 armies. What I'm concerned about, and this happened in second edition, was that we were the best army in the game, I think. One of the best armies in the game when Soul Wars first came out. Second Resident Evocator is really good. And I'm just starting to wonder what the power creep will look like with the next tomes. And whether that's something just points changes will be able to solve. Because last, last time, a lot of the things just needed War Scroll changes. Points weren't enough. I do think the War Scrolls are really solid this time around. A lot of them, at least. Like, all the S, A, and B tiers are pretty in the playable category. Um, it just remains to be seen, you know, what they do with points and what the next books are like. Yeah, our, our enhancements are, are quite weak. You know, most of them are defensive focused. They're not offensively oriented. So most of our units, yes. most of our damage comes from our, our hammer units, not our heroes. Um, we, we have good yes, defensive and, yeah, and I feel like with the FAQ, they're removing, they removed a lot of the flair from the army. So it's an army that, you know, it does what it says on the box. Tough dudes, hit well, take a hit. That's what it does. Time will tell whether that's a good model for a, you know, a consistently competitive army. Yeah, that kind of army is only as good as its point costs. If everything is overpriced, uh, then nothing works, right? But if everything has, if everything's underpriced, then the army's overpowered. It's, it's a really... Mm -hmm. um, precarious way to balance an army i think enhancements battalions things in second edition maybe they could have toned it back instead of removing them and then there's more knobs that they could tweak in order to get the balance just right i have a feeling yeah. that i have this really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that stormcasts are still going to get nerfed in the winter faq i can't get over it <sighs> it's just ever present I, sitting there yeah i i can totally like given that this is the first time we've seen Celestial Menagerie, a thing that affects mostly drakes nerfed before drakes are even out, or the big dragons. I can see the drakes and uh, drake, the drake and draconis points going up. 
yeah, they probably written that stuff now so that they can publish mm-hmm. it in two months, right? So based yep. on player feedback, I could I could see them doing it. It would be unfortunate. Yeah, I just I just it remains to be seen whether they want to do like the double light handed touches or the single heavy handed. Like they could go heavy handed and raise it by seventy points or sixty points right off the bat. Or they could go over two FAQs, the winner FAQ and the next summer FAQ and nerf it thirty points each time and you know wait to see what the whether the other one is needed. And uh, I think, yeah, so that remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't think any of it is warranted until there's more data collected. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. could be, maybe the menagerie changes enough. Maybe that'll be even rescinded at some point. Maybe it turns out that that was totally fine in the end. And we'll just have to wait and see how, the, how it all shakes out. We don't even have grand hammers in our hands yet. So let's not uh, jump the gun and assume storm drakes need to be, need any changes. This Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, upcoming videos and events. We still want to do our Stormcast Battletone wishlisting. Uh, in fact, the only reason we pushed out this tier list video is because our patrons asked us to ahead of time. We, we put up a poll, and this is the video they wanted to see. So this is the video you guys got. Uh, we still want to do that wishlisting video. We still are working on Lords of the Storm number two, which is a list building episode. And in addition to those, I had an idea to do a video about Stormcast as coalition units in Cities of Sigmar armies. So using things like living cities to deep strike in a squad of four fulminators, shooting with their breath attack, using the command ability to move 10 inches forward, and you can't redeploy against that because it's in the shooting phase, so you get a 3-inch charge on a guaranteed deep strike. Pretty good. Uh, Other combos that look like fun include um, all the various boosts you get to shooting, like for example, rerolling hit rolls of 1 in an aura in Greywater Fastness. Uh, Hello Heart pumping up Krondus like crazy. There's a, there's a lot of good-looking combos, so I'm going to explore that and maybe even come up with some lists for that as well. Just to reiterate for you guys, every week we have three uh, hangouts with you guys in the Discord. Uh, Wednesday nights for our North American crowd. Saturday mornings for me for the European crowd. And Saturday evenings for me for the Australian crowd, which would be your Sunday afternoon for you guys. This week in particular, if you happen to be watching this video before October 30th, 2021, uh, this Saturday we're going to be hanging out in the Discord to watch Warhammer Day stream. So if you're around, feel free to drop in. We- uh, yeah, and uh, as a final, we'd like to thank our patrons. Uh, your support means a lot to us. Uh, Champasaur, Dave Palmu, Marcus Pfefferkorn, Ryan Jones, Nick Riley, Pablo Raman, Marcus LT, Frank Patton, Andre Menendez, Brandon Ulick, Placeria, Slowhand. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It's It's been really great to see uh, people are willing to support us in this way. And I guarantee you that all of that is going to go into making this channel better, making the videos better, and pushing us towards battle reports that are hopefully going to live up to the quality that I have in mind. Okay, thanks for listening. See you next time.